Welcome to the Wordy Girl Entertainment Podcast. I am your writer-in-chief, Rosalind Jackson. I am a lover of words, and that love led me to a passion for writing. And what's the next best thing to writing? Talking about writing. So kick back and join me for mind-blowing chats about writing covering everything from screenplays to novels to poetry, from nonfiction books to songwriting, and much more. Fonz Williams started as a set production assistant on Live Free or Die Hard, starring Bruce Willis, and immediately grabs the magnitude of a $200 million blockbuster production. Soon after, he worked in the physical production and marketing departments at New Line Cinema. During his tenure at Creative Artists Agency, the film and television industry experienced a major shift in media consumption, which led him to transition into the television literary department, where he identified new opportunities for traditional television and film writers in digital media. This led him to being promoted to the business development department in the emerging digital division, focusing on servicing an area known as new media. Williams' professional writing journey began as a writer's assistant to Emmy Award-winning executive producer, author, creator, Noah Hawley, on his first show, The Unusuals, starring Jeremy Renner. After many late New York, L.A. nights in the editing room, on set, in casting sessions, and in writer's rooms, Fonz learned how to produce a network television series from pre-production through post-production. Williams was one of eight writers selected for the prestigious ABC Disney TV writing program and became a staff writer on the award-nominated series Detroit 187 on ABC. He also wrote an indie revenge thriller feature screenplay entitled Wolves for Reset Films. He was staffed on BET's Games People Play Season 2 starring Lauren London, produced by Tracy Edmonds for Edmonds Entertainment. Currently, Fonz is adapting a book by Sean Blanchard entitled, How About That for a Crack Baby? Keys to Mentorship and Success. Switching from writer to producer, Fonz has also created digital content for superstar athletes and social media influencers, including King Bach, HaHa Davis, Snoop Dogg, and more. He was also the co-creator and executive producer for the HaHa Davis show for Comedy Central. Most recently, Fonz has entered a drama series development deal with Steph Curry's Unanimous Media. So welcome to the Wordy Girl Entertainment Podcast. We have Fonz Williams joining us today. How are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm good. Thank you. Thank you so much for agreeing to do this. I'm excited to talk to you. I know we have um, a lot of people who want to know what it's like to be a screenwriter. Everybody wants to, you know, get that that lucky chance to make it in Hollywood as a screenwriter. So I'm sure they'll be excited to hear what you have to say. (laughs) So where are you from? Uh, I'm originally from Detroit, Michigan. So I I grew up in Detroit, um, went to school, at the University of Michigan. So it's basically just a Detroit guy up until I moved to Los Angeles in uh, 2006. Oh, wow. And you, you came out here specifically to write? Uh, yeah, yeah. That, I mean, that was, that was sort of the, always the goal. Um, it was, LA was the only place you could do it in, in 2006, 2007. You had to sort of be here to get your feet wet. And uh, 
yeah, it was part of that journey. A lot of people who made that that migration during that time from different places probably remembers what it was like to pack up their car and just hit the road with the dream. So I was sort of among among that wave. Okay, yeah. And so, how did you get your start writing? Uh, well, that's a great question. I mean, I, I think the the start started probably when I was nine years old. I I, I would say just being a a child who was fortunate enough to have a parent who encouraged them to uh, uh, explore explore their imagination. So I would say it started at nine, and I think the the moment where I realized like the commitment to the discipline happened around twelve years old. We didn't have a I had a typewriter, but we didn't have a, a computer, and so this is around like nineteen ninety five ninety six. And there was one of my mom's friends who would allow me to use her computer. And one day, uh, all my all my all my essays and things like that, I would use to write on the computer, and I would end up like leaving the the um, document open on the screen. And this one, one day, one of her friends, because she was really a well known and beloved person in the community, one of her friends ended up uh, reading it, one of my essays, and it was uh, it had to do about like Black History or something at the time, uh-huh. but um, she ended up working for this periodical and she published it. And I think uh-huh. I, I, for a 12 year old, it was like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, okay. And so I felt at 12 years old that I was officially a writer, but obviously the, 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 the journey goes uh, way further than that. And if you fast forward to probably what you're asking about getting into the, into the industry, mm-hmm. um, that process started sort of when I was able to get a, get a, uh, a writer's assistant opportunity to work for Noah Hawley on, okay. his, on his very first, first show called The Unusuals mm-hmm. on ABC in uh, 2008. Oh, wow. And what was that like? Uh, it was really interesting. I mean, I, at the time, I mean, Noah, Noah's has Emmys and, and been very successful. Now, that was, his, that was his very first show. So uh, <laughs> I was learning and he was learning and... Uh, I was just, it was great because I was able to learn from his hip. You know, like I was, I, I was his assistant. So I drove from places. I got breakfast. I picked him up, you know, like so <laughs> whatever was required, you know, and whatever, right. and whatever moments you got a chance to sort of pick someone's uh, mind and have mentors around you that, that helps. Okay. Now, did you, did you do that first or did you start um, as a PA first? Okay. Uh, how did that go? Yeah, yeah. The, as far as breaking into the to the industry portion, um, yeah, I started off as a production assistant on uh, uh, Live Free and Die Hard. That was one of the Die, die Hard uh, movies with Bruce Willis. And I got that opportunity from a friend, uh, Mike Lynch, who's still one of my really good friends and a filmmaker out here now, who, um, you know, you, you know how it, how it goes in the beginning. A PA job is just really the basic most <laughs> position that, that you'll take right and it really pushes you to determine if you want to do this mm-hmm, you know exactly. it's low pay it's grueling there's no it's almost like people go out of their way to kind of disrespect or belittle you <laughs> like their job <laughs> yeah, like did you make an effort to <laughs> you feel silly but uh, so <laughs> Uh, yeah, so, you, you know, that's just part of the dues paying process. So I did that on that movie and a couple other small independent films and just hustling, trying to get, trying to get an opportunity any way you could. And so from there, 
beyond just the writing portion. Cause I mean, as a PA, you're not necessarily writing. You're just, you're around, you're, you're, you're in the, you're in the atmosphere. And mm-hmm. most importantly, what you should be doing is just learning and, and networking like crazy. Right. So that was sort of just my ambition to understand beyond, uh, beyond just the creativity point, which is of course the foundation of being a writer, but the industry portion is a, is a, is a whole nother sort of uh, enigma. Right. And then did you go from um, being a PA to uh, the writer's assistant positions? Okay. So after, after uh, being a PA, I, I took a moment and I worked at uh, new line cinema. I worked okay. as, a, as a floater. So when you're a floater, you're basically just working on various desks, desks uh, during that time and just kind of getting an idea of how the business works. Uh, if you remember New Line's mop, New Line Cinema's model during that time, they were one, they were an independent studio. So they 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 were many, but they sort of had all the components of a major. So there was sort of a, a family vibe over there that I wouldn't say that I was fully a part of because it was still an entry-level job but i mm-hmm. i got a chance to learn marketing i understood production they were they were making rush hour three at the time they were making snakes on the plane which at the time was a very uh revolutionary project in terms of marketing and, and new and new ways to uh build a cult audience mm-hmm. so um again i'm i was all i've i've been writing since <laughs> you know forever but and I'm writing, still writing and creating at that time. But more importantly, I'm just trying to understand how the industry works. Mm-hmm. So um, still writing. Last job was there. I worked in the marketing department. Uh, and, you know, after you float for so long, if you don't land on the desk or, or, or decide to stay there, essentially you, you, you hope to move on. And the next logical step for me and my quest to kind of understand like the business, not just the, the creative, was to go where where it was like happening in terms of like how the business functions. So I decided to uh, go work at CAA. Oh, okay. I got an opportunity to work there. Uh, more more than anything, it was just kind of like, okay, this is how the business works. Mm-hmm. And so for a creative, you know, I think it's important that we are able to exercise and use both hemispheres of our of our brain, like the analytical and the creative portion, like and so and the business side. So, um, I spent that time just learning and uh, and meeting people, mm-hmm. and also just really figuring out uh, as a creative what I wanted, uh, how I, how I wanted to handle my my career going forward. And then I got the opportunity to work with uh, Noah Hawley. Oh, okay. And then what did you, how, how, where does the Disney writing program come in? Where, where did okay. you start at? Absolutely. Um, so after that, that project, the unusuals on ABC, mm-hmm. writer's assistant on that project, it was a short lived uh, mid season pickup. And they don't network and network program has kind of changed a little bit, but you know how it goes with a mid season pickup. You're basically a show that's coming in to uh, replace a show that they had expectations for, but they primarily might've, if the show underperformed, they would cut it by mid season. Then your show comes in okay. and hopes to sustain those ratings or be a bigger hit. And we weren't really positioned to uh, be super successful, but we gained an audience, but it just didn't sustain. So my first experience as a writer's assistant and my introductory the introduction to you know, because I was, I was really on Noah's hip, so I 
mm-hmm. got a chance to see like, man, you can hustle, mm-hmm. create a show, put all this time, energy into it, and then the show not doesn't get picked up and we're canceled, right? So yeah. that's that's that felt like my biggest introduction to to what it meant to be a professional writer. Mm-hmm. And even though I hadn't gone on my own journey at that point, I was just starting, but I I, I I, it was like, oh, <laughs> oh, this is this is a, a business business for so, <laughs> and uh, so after that that show fell, I was living in in New York at the time. I had I quit once I left CAA and I came, I, I became Noah's assistant. I went to New York really at the drop of a hat. Left everything, you know, just just went out there. I didn't have a I didn't even have boots and a coat. I was walking around Air Force Ones <laughs> or. Uh, <laughs> Air Max in the snow, so um, hoodies. <laughs> so uh, it was just like again, but that's but that's a part of the journey. If you want it bad enough, you gotta take the opportunity. Right. And uh, and again, I took that risk. I mean, I think that that's what is probably the the consistent theme of all of our, our journeys as as a creative is are just risk involved. Mm-hmm. So the show failed um, or it didn't get picked up, and so. I came back to LA really in like a place of like, damn, now what, you know? And so uh, for that first six months of just trying to, not necessarily trying to, I, I knew what, what it, what it was going to be, but in the process of applying for the, the Disney fellowship, mm-hmm. uh, anybody who's gone through that process um, will attest that it's uncertain. So, but you still, in order to put your best material forward are aware that your chances are like less than like 1%, you know what I'm saying? Like significantly less than 1%. Wow. And uh, <laughs> so at that time I knew in order to produce the best material I ever written and I had to lock in. So I just stayed in the house. Uh, I, watch when you're when you're to get in the fellowship you have to uh spec a show and uh, at the time mad men was like one of the best shows on tv amc's mad men they were kind of going into like their second or third season yeah uh, that was one of my favorite shows you know what i'm saying so like i was i was so fascinated with that era and that time and for me as a writer um you know being informed, having a perspective, and just really being knowledgeable about a, a period or a world that you're exploring is just like crucial. If, you know, if you don't have that, eventually it's going to unravel. And so, my fascination with Mad Men sort of came from like all those nuances and and, and the specificities of that time that they didn't uh, touch on that I could. So, fast forward, wrote a really interesting Mad Men because I had the historical framework to like lean into that space of advertising industry. I was always interested in it anyway, you know, a, a copywriter and a screenwriter, right. you know, kind of cousins. So um, that just allowed me to kind of delve into that world, had a lot of fun with it. It was already a hot show. It wasn't an ABC show, it was a cable show, but you know, I was like, Hey man, I'm more of, this is more of my, my lane. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and uh, you know, they, they don't tell most of the people there. They don't tell most of the, of the, 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 the fellows, their scores, but my score was really good. Oh, good. <laughs> what, did, <laughs> what did you, um, what did you write about for Mad Men or can you say? Okay. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, and this one was really interesting because I wrote my episode sort of based off of 
where they left off the the finale of that season. So I knew we were going into 1960. And so I oh. just, I, I thought about what was, what was the most monumental shift in advertising during that time. Mm-hmm. And um, really what it was, was the, uh, uh, Coke and, and mm-hmm. Pepsi, Pepsi, I mean, not Pepsi, uh, soda drinks were mm-hmm. starting to figure out ways to market towards women and, Diet drink, diet drinks were changing the world, specifically tab, mm-hmm. and, uh, and so I just really delved deep into what that meant, you know, with the uh, with um, what that meant to that to that period in that time and and culture and sort mm-hmm. of how it thematically resonated with what was happening with Don and uh, and his wife in the, in the in that moment. I mean, that was years ago. I can't mm-hmm. remember all the specifics. But, <laughs> You know, that was that was a fun, you know, you remember Matt, man, that was a fun mm-hmm. series. I was fortunate enough that there was a show that I connected to that I could write about and it made it easier. Yeah, that sounds really interesting because that was that was the whole main thing was the the things that they were promoting through the advertising and how they yeah. related to what was going on in the world at the time. Yeah. You know, that was re- that was really um amazing how they connected to two the two. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So did you um, then go into being a staff writer on uh, Detroit 187? Uh, or? Yeah, yeah. After I got into the fellowship, you know, that you spend a couple months sort of just getting the lay of the land and figuring mm-hmm. out what works best for you. Um, you know, and you're also sort of becoming more familiar with the, the other fellows. They divide it. They divide the group into drama and uh, comedy mm-hmm. so at the time i was primarily a, a drama writer um so yeah a D, i'm from detroit so i mean again like a lot of things that year was just aligning up for me because uh i was the only person from the city on the staff and oh, wow. yeah you know and and i'm this was my first opportunity with all these people i didn't really know a lot of those writers at the time mm-hmm. but um yeah, went on to the show and, and just tried to figure it out. You know, you went there to figure it out and uh, it was an interesting experience, you know. Did did you get that through being in the fellowship, the uh, Disney writing program that they said? Yeah, it was, a, it, was, it, was, it was essentially a part of it. Yeah, you, you, I came on that year as a, as a, a, a participant in the uh, Disney writing program. Oh, okay. All right. And then through the program, what were some of the things you guys, um, went through is it is it like um i know some of the programs take you through um kind of like a workshop or um you meet a few times a month or something like that how does the um disney program work well you have to write uh another uh another spec while you're there to Mm -hmm. use as an additional submission piece when it's time to staff in case the uh in case the um the show wants another writing sample. You know how that goes. Sometimes mm-hmm. they want more than one writing sample. Right. So during that time, we're developing another, an additional spec and meeting different um, specialists and people who have, uh, you know, insider knowledge about how the industry functions, whether that is pitching or mm-hmm. presentation or or structure or all those, all those elements that really make you a professional. Mm-hmm. Okay. And what would, what would you say the pitching? Uh, the, hmm? That was like things like, things like pitching, you know? 
Uh-huh. Okay. Um, but what would you say like the, the application process was like, cause I know a lot of people want to apply for these programs and they don't know what to look for or what to expect. Um, yeah. I know some of them have like very detailed questions you have, like questions you have to answer. Um, so what, what was your um, experience? Uh, well, I think one, I was, I was fortunate because I worked as a writer's assistant on an ABC show the previous year. Okay. That, um, I was, you know, I tell writers all the time, it's, you know, the creativity, you should, you should have, you should be able to look yourself in the mirror and know that you have that. But mm -hmm. the, the other, the other things are just important about just like meeting people. So mm -hmm. take advantage of that every opportunity you can. Um, but as far as just the process, I mean, I, I've been, I have been applying to that program since I graduated and, and I graduated, I, mean, I graduated in 05. So it was like a three, uh, five year turnaround. So, so I've been applying for five years straight and, um, but coming out of college, I mean, you're fresh, fresh, fresh smelling like similar. Like no one really knows you. You don't really know what's going on. And, uh, I think over those years, you sharpen your sword and then you are able to tailor your skills to be ready. Um, and I think all those years is just, I just felt like by the time the opportunity met itself, I, the opportunity came, I was just, I felt ready for prepared, but also the trajectory of a, of a writer's career or, or the process of getting in the business then was way more standardized and what i mean by that if you didn't like know somebody and they put you on as a writer's assistant there's and if you were of color or or, or diverse or however you want to uh classify it um and you know how in hollywood there were only four three or four networks that had uh programs that focused on diversity and inclusion so um your and, I, and as I mentioned, if 5,000 people are applying for that, the pool is just like, it's like Royal Rumble, you know? So uh, there's a, but, it, but it's also like an unfortunate metric because it's impossible. I mean, I, you can't tell me that there weren't eight other people who were just as good as the, you know what I mean? So uh, it's really just about being targeted and, and targeting and, and really like uh, keeping the faith and I guess and investing in, heavily into the preparedness portion. Right, right. So what was it like to work on Detroit 187? Uh, it was amazing in the beginning, just cause I got a chance to go back home and, and write for a show that I had like a unique knowledge on. And when mm -hmm. I was the only person in the room who was from the city, uh, you know, as a writer. And I think when you see good writing, it's nuanced mm -hmm. and, I, and I felt like I was in a unique position to provide some of those nuances early on as a new writer that or as a baby writer, whatever they call you when you, when you first start, right. <laughs> uh, you know, um, whatever that is, I felt like I was able to, to my voice to be heard. And so that was fun. And, and I got a chance to really go back and um, feel the energy and the excitement of, of the city. So, you know, good okay now tell us about your experience writing for games people play uh yeah i mean this i guess i think the 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 time and the growth for me in between those two opportunities 
uh, are very uh, different. Mm-hmm. Um, working, I think working on the network show that has network expectations as far as just like the style and the structure and the function of it is very standardized. Mm-hmm. And even what, uh, even what they're sort of hoping to touch on thematically, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And when you go into the cable space, I think there's way more, uh, uh, I won't say freedom, full, full on freedom, but you're, you're, there's more room to, uh, to, to, to lean into things that are more like culturally specific and, uh, and stories that actually mean, mean a lot to the world that you're telling the story in versus like it having to have a grand uh, commercial mainstream appeal to it. So for a writer, it's just more, more intriguing because you can sort of be uh, creative and, uh, uh, my experience on games people play, mm-hmm. uh, I I didn't come onto the show until the second season. Right. So um, the first season I wasn't I wasn't around or or, or on it. Um, it was unique for me because every time I worked on shows in the past, I always came in on the first season. And everyone knows in television, the first season is the hardest season. You know, like, <laughs> right. Like if you you don't get past, there is no pass and go if you don't, uh, you know, get past that season. So Mm -hmm. going into the second season where 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 the where the where the episodes are ordered and guaranteed and no one's gonna like lose lose their job in this season, (laughs) uh, you know that that was a a a better security to have when you're when you're developing the world of a story. You know, Mm -hmm. network. when you're writing scripts that are live, that are, that they're what I mean by that is that they're writing them on Monday of one week one, and then they're shooting, they're prepping them on week two, and then they're shooting them by week three. And once you get in the cycle of of that whole process, at, there's a there comes a point where you're you're writing and producing them uh, simultaneously, okay. and uh, that that is tough because the network executives vibes change from week to week they could have they could have loved episode two on, on the script phase but then it, it, it went it didn't do well ratings wise last week and now they're uh afraid of of all the episodes going forward and things shift and change around so right. you, you, you're, you're you're literally uh you know creating from a from a from a different uh, comfort space and so my experience on games people play having been able to go in and uh, number one, uh, have the luxury to work with like uh, a black female showrunner. That yeah. was the first first opportunity I ever had to to work with someone like that. And shout out and, to Vanessa Middleton. <laughs> Middleton and who, who, who brought me on the show and really uh, encouraged, was very encouraging and sort of understood my whole uh, story as a writer mm-hmm. and res- respected the 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 things that um made me unique and uh it was a really pr- pretty good experience i mean we had a, a a good room a good balance a good small room that was balanced with uh with people who all had really uh great careers and and, and brought a lot of fresh stuff to the table and uh this upcoming season even though uh it hasn't you know we're, we're, we're still trying to determine 
how where that's going to go and how that's going to happen. But the scripts are done, and right. I think uh, the writers are the writers are hoping that's just happy about uh, what we did. Right now, how was uh, your experience in the actual writers' room? Because you guys, um, due to COVID, were yeah. writing virtually. So. Yeah. Tell us about that experience, what it was like to be in a writer's room, but you guys are actually at home on your computers, uh, mm. you know, in a Zoom conference with each other or something. <laughs> uh, you, you know what's interesting? I think if you're a millennial that like, you know, most writers are kind of hermits anyway. <laughs> We're all, we kind of, you know, can we have introverted tendencies or uh, right. so, so. <laughs> I, I can, I'm an only child. I can adjust, you know, I, I'm, I wear shorts every day. I haven't put on real clothes in so long <laughs> to like get up and just wash your face and throw on right. a shirt so your top is good. Uh, <laughs> I, I made that part work, but, um, but also because we started off the top of the, of the process uh, in the writer's room and we had broke uh, a significant portion of the season, we were already kind of ahead of the schedule, uh, uh-huh. fortunately. So making the the virtual adjustment uh, for some people, they they you know it's different from them who just, those who are just used to the more traditional process. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel like this is probably going to be something that we're going to have we're going to experience for a long time. And because I, I work with creatives who are kind of who are, aren't always close to me, uh-huh. is 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 fine. You know, it works for me. You know, I can I can write. I just need a laptop and a and a desk. Right, right. <laughs> now, would you prefer that over going to an into an actual room? Well, when COVID's going around, absolutely. But <laughs> but if if there's no pandemic where people's breath could kill me, mm. <laughs> no, you know. I, I, but I I do think uh, what 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 this process has taught me that uh, the room can be optional. I think a lot of times because because you're paying rent. Mm-hmm. And, 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 you know, I'm paying rent for these tables and all this stuff. We need mm-hmm. to be using them. But if I'm a, if I'm a creator who, you know, as a creator and as someone who want, who has aspirations to running the, the, the business side of their, of their business as well, um, I think that we can, that you, you can save a lot of money and be really efficient if you have good people. Correct. Correct. Um, so what would you say to a new writer who, is they're they're walking into their first time getting ready to be in the writer's room what tip would you give them of what they can expect well i think i think that the it's crazy at 37 like having to say this like with my day like it is <laughs> the the inter, the internet has shifted the world you know what i mean like i feel like i came in on the tail end of like a formatted process of a step by step. You do this. You do that. You do this. You do that. I don't think that the that the that the that the standardized rules should apply to creatives as much as it used to because sometimes that kills the the very thing that we're good at. So I would say if you're going into a room, it's a very different vibe. Like any job, it's like you know it's still the job. So like like any corporation, like if the boss who runs the place brings you in, you're probably in a little bit more of a comfortable place than the 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 enemy of the boss who, who brought you in. You know what I'm saying? So right. I think you, you want to always be aware of, of uh, your standing in the dynamic. 
because <clears throat> I was always taught as a young person to do your best, mm -hmm. right? Right. That sounds good. That makes sense. <laughs> but that's not how it works always. And so, <laughs> and because, you know, it just isn't because you're dealing with egos and in the beginning, everyone's cushy and, and fun and, and joyous. We're sharing candy in the sandbox. But after spending three months or five months or six months with, with people, um, the dynamics can shift. So I think it's important to um, be mindful of those things and, and, and trust what you're uh, feeling when you go there and, and you'll be able to sort of find your way. Every room's different. So mm -hmm. it's tough to, to say how one person will do it versus how another will. Mm -hmm. I think that there are traditionalists and I think there are new, there are new creatives who don't have to always be so ego driven to flex their title as much as they can just say, Hey, we're, I'm, I happen to be the leader or the captain of this ship, mm -hmm. but we're trying to win. And right. uh, I think that that's a, a, a leadership style that varies from, from room to room. Mm -hmm. Okay. You're currently adapting um, a book to screenplay. Is that correct? Uh, I optioned oh, already. No, no, I, I, I optioned uh, a book by one of my uh, friends by the name of Sean Blanchard called uh, How About That uh, for Crack Baby. And it's really a, a, a part of his memoir, but it also delves into the importance of, of mentorship mm -hmm. okay. and, and, and uh, sort of through the eyes of his of his story being someone who uh, grew up. Uh, his brother was uh, one of the most notorious drug kingpins in the, in the city and wow. sort of how he was placed himself in a position that could have ruined his life and how he made a commitment that brought him out of it. And eventually he, who has a, a brilliant mind, could have been a, a Wall Street trader and made millions, but decided that uh, after knowing the importance of having mentors and, and the impact that that can have on, on the lives of, of young people, he decided to dedicate himself to that. Mm -hmm. And um, it was just a touching book for me. It, it was done really well. Uh, he uh, published it independently, which, I'm, which, I, which I like about this era. I mean, going back to your question earlier about a new writer, going into a new a new a new room or in, or the new world we're in a we're in a great time i mean the internet's there like you there's people are actually open to to hearing stories that aren't all the same mm -hmm. which, uh which is really cool and so you know going back to this book uh i thought that there were elements of the book that um could be could be interesting if, if, we, if we were brought to screen so you know, it's a process. The, the, the adapting of a book uh, is tough, especially when the person who, the, you know, against who plays based off a book, but mm. an author's, a author's instincts and a screenwriter's instincts aren't always uh, understood on both sides of the table. Do you know what I'm saying? Because the author always wants to can, can have, a, have their own... Uh, want for a movie that doesn't necessarily fit mm -hmm. always you know what i'm saying uh -huh. so, mm -hmm. yeah but the process of the adapt adapting for me has just been really um 
collaborative. I have a, a another producer producer that I'm working with as well, along with the the, the writer. So it's collaborative. I'm I'm listening and, and being respectful that I that I do take those take everything that they that they feel into consideration. Okay. Do you prefer uh, doing an adapt adaptation or do you prefer just uh, regular screenwriting? Yeah, I, I like coming up with my own stories. I mean, that's 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 where I mean I'm I'm happy that my creative sprout keeps creative spout keeps keeps functioning. Like I, I come up with stuff all the time, so I like to be able to feed my own babies. You know, right. And what is your overall writing process like? When you get a brand new idea you want to work on, how do you start? Like, what is your what do you start with? Some people start with a character. Some people start with a storyline. Like, how did what's your process? Uh, if my my story my process varies from from thing to thing, and I I think in the beginning, you know how it goes. Where you're, you're writing what you know, mm -hmm. and you're you're trying to get out the stories that have been like in you forever but then after you sort of get those out and you're now creating commercial content or commercial product uh it varies you know one of the things for me because going back to again the, the traditional path versus the non-traditional path i started off doing the traditional road and like you had to choose if you were a drama writer or a comedy writer or a thriller like you had there was all these labels right and, I never, I never accepted those labels, but I fulfill. I knew I could. I had, I had enough to fulfill <laughs> whatever creative output made me a drama writer. But I had other interests in like comedy and like, mm -hmm. you know, thrillers, uh, horror. So like, these other genres were interesting to me. So I just started being able to delve into them, and uh, I like comedy and. Um, started really getting into writing comedic scripts and it, and it took me about two years to really um, get the acceptance from the, from the, from the, the comic community to be like, okay, yeah, you, you're, you know, you do this well enough. So. Okay. <laughs> so you're, you're executive producing on the Ha Ha Davis show on Comedy Central. Yeah. Yeah. We're, 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 we're going through a development process right now. We haven't uh, locked in, uh, a specific network at at the moment, but um, oh. I I am uh, have I have been working with uh, Haha, uh, the, the 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 Comedy Central project that we did is a sketch that's available right now mm -hmm. uh, on YouTube called D Boy, um, and we shot that really as a as a as a initial concept for mm -hmm. a, a greater character, and Haha's um, -ha a, a kid. You no, know, going back to you know, what happens after you get off of a show that mm -hmm. ends up getting canceled, every writer kind of comes to that point where like, it's like pushing a, it's like pushing a rock up a hill and mm -hmm. then you, you get all the way to the top and then the rock just like falls back down. Like, oh, shit. <laughs> and it just bursts at the bottom. <laughs> <laughs> and so you have to figure like, you're going to go back to the bottom of that hill or mm -hmm. and try to push one back up or, or just change your perspective now that you're at a different position on the hill. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? So yeah. um, I look at someone like Haha, -Ha, who at the time in 2017, when I first started working with him, he had less than a million followers. But mm -hmm. the Inst Instagram, as you can see, and a lot of the, the, the new 
creators are creating their own lane. They're using their imagination. They have these phones that are like television studios in their pocket. And they have this amazing ability to engage with their fans. They have a limited time from as far as a minute wise goes to tell a full story, mm-hmm. but have a, but a minute is far more, is, is more than enough time to introduce a funny concept that can be, that can be uh, expanded. Right. And I felt like with, with, with Ha Ha, part of his genius is he does that in his sleep. And it's like, uh, he almost like, <laughs> I won't say he takes it for granted, but it's like, man, <laughs> like, <laughs> Like you just do this in your sleep, and um, and I I felt really connected to it. But also, he's from the same side of town that I'm from. I grew up in in Detroit, so I felt even that much more vested in um, wanting to, you know, help him transition from uh, the internet to the next space. And uh, it's been interesting seeing his growth. He's featured on a ton of television shows and mm-hmm. getting a, and, and growing his. Uh, catching fire right now in terms of his appeal in Hollywood. So, um, you know, as a writer, collaborating with those types, being able to help people who have something, they just don't know how to how to fully maximize it, you know, from a creative standpoint and the story standpoint. And uh, the Comedy Central process was just one of the things that we we um, worked on. And, and we have a couple other things that are, are in development right now that we're beyond excited from and and sort of like amazed by the outpour of of interest. Oh, wow. Okay. (laughs) And can you talk about um, your development deal with Steph Curry's company? Uh, Yes, yes, I can. Um, So we, man, (laughs) the development process for most people who try to understand it, know that it could sometimes referred to as development hell. I won't say right. that <laughs> developing with uh, them has been hell, but um, I think the challenge for me throughout my career and the reason why I probably don't have more mainstream mainstream credits, mm-hmm. uh, I have to do with, uh, I have a tendency sometimes to really care about controversial uh topics and, and care about exploring like controversial subject matters and uh this particular story i can't really go too deeply into it but it's a very um it's a tough sell and uh but it's a but if once once we get it across i think it has potential to to really uh be unique and, and, and unlike anything that we've seen currently and, I, and that, that's a that's a bolsterous statement and i wish i had an alternative uh way to express it mm-hmm. but um I, we feel really excited about it, but it's been a two year process. And, and wow. as a writer, you know, like you come in with this baby, you're like, Oh, look at my baby. She's beautiful. Ain't she? Look at that baby. Look at, that TV. Look at her smile. <laughs> and then, and then everyone starts telling, talking about how your baby head isn't proportional. Or, <laughs> like, Oh yeah. I think your baby knock need or, you know, whatever. <laughs> And now they like dissecting your what you thought was a beautiful baby, right? And, and so, uh, and then you, you know, get that, offended, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. You're kind of like, well, that's a mole, <laughs> you know, like, it's supposed to be there. That's that's guys, perfection, you know, so like, right? Uh, so, it's it's just a process with a lot of back and forth for, for as mm-hmm. a creative. Um, you, uh, 
especially in my my space because I haven't created a show before. I think if I had a show on air, if I had a you know a credit show that that I got primary credit credit by credit in the past, mm-hmm. the process would probably be a lot easier. So, um, but I, but I was aware of all that going into it. Um, the the cool thing is that when you're in development, a lot of times it isn't just about your story. It's about when you, when you bring out your story, are we in the, are we in the right political or social climate to talk about something that is unfavorable or, or controversial, or are we in a climate where people just want to laugh and they want to have escapism or they want to be engulfed in fantasy and the, the normal development cycle shifts every year. So right. the, wave, the wave goes, and 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 I think in the beginning, you know, a, a great story has to be at the foundation of, of of any of this stuff. But the the release point and and when you pitch it and all you know, there's mm-hmm. all these things that you have to um, be mindful of before going out there, and we sort of really have uh, um, explored. <laughs> every every pro every piece of that process and mm-hmm. um i've i feel like i've 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 learned more i've i've gained, gotten stronger i've been able to lean in and trust the the the, the value that i bring mm-hmm. uh, i think that you know this industry has a tendency you know i know that there's a hierarchy and it, and, it, and it exists for a reason but it's not always the reflection of, of what your skill levels are or, or what your uh, what you bring to the table. But we're in a risk adverse business, so people have to make sure that they um, cross every T and dot every I. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. Tell me, um, who are some of your favorite writers? Uh wow. Um. Uh, <laughs> I mean, obviously, I'm biased. I, I've I've always liked Noah Hawley, even when like no one knew who he who he is, and now he has a ton of Emmys, so people are starting to sort of respect his unique uh, style. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've always liked him for just being uh, being uh, I won't say not just fearless, but like being comfortable with 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 doing some unique stuff and like saying, mm-hmm. "Hey, that this is it," you know, and then. Um, Paul Haggis is, um, one of my really, uh, just somebody who I, I've, I've always been a fan of and mm-hmm. have had the pleasure to chance, have had the pleasure to, to talk to a few times. And then, um, he's really active on, uh, social media, like on, uh, on Instagram. Like he, he's even liked a couple of my, uh, posts on Instagram. I was like, what? Yeah. <laughs> he's, he, he's, he's, he's a lot cooler than, uh, than, uh. <laughs> you know, you would expect from like a, you know, from him. But um, mm-hmm. and I would probably say like Cheo, uh, Hodari Coker. He's a he's a he's a um one of the the top uh, screenwriters, TV writers in the business. He did Luke Cage. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, but there's a there's a ton. I mean, there's this, we're in a we're in an amazing time. You know, like there's so many new perspectives and new voices and. Right. Even the, the the elder statesmen are 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 doing things that we didn't necessarily know it was in their repertoire, and uh, I mean it's it's almost impossible for me to name all these people, you know, like uh, you know uh, Charles Murray, um, mm-hmm. really 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 good writer. Um, 
man, and I, I almost feel bad because when I mention one of these people, <laughs> when I see, somebody, see somebody else, my man, uh, Randy Huggins, I uh -huh. want to shout, shout out Randy, who um, is doing the, uh, the, um, the BMF project for stars. That's the homie. So oh, okay. I want to make sure he's doing, you know, that goes well, but uh, there's a ton of people. There's almost too many to, to name. I mean, Hollywood, yeah. uh, where, you know, this is a great time. It's, mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's an amazing time and I'm, I'm inspired by you know, damn near everybody. Okay. What are some of your favorite TV shows? Uh, watching right now, The Shy. Mm -hmm. Lena Waithe is, uh, they, they elevating that, that, that thing this year and they're doing a good job. Man, <laughs> I watch I watch so much TV that I I, I don't want to endorse the show just because mm -hmm. I watch it. I can't say that it's my favorite just because I watch it. But The Shy is one of those things that I have to watch when it, mm -hmm. when it comes out. Power obviously is um, a really interesting show, and I want to see what all these spinoffs are going to become. Mm -hmm. uh, super excited, like Courtney Kemp. Uh, you know, she did her thing. Like, you know, she created a really, it's really special world. So I like mm -hmm. shows that can spin off. But um, man, uh, <laughs> I don't know why this is this this it should not be stumping me. I I just <laughs> checked out this show called P Valley. Oh, I've been hearing about that one. Uh, P Valley is a really interesting interesting show. I I, I like it. You know, it's it's mm -hmm. uh it's, it's a it's a ton of fun. Then Watchmen. The Watchmen was uh, probably one of the more, the more standout shows that I had to watch. I think uh, the few shows that are still event television, like event TV is dying, but there's uh -huh. a few shows that you feel like the moment it's, it drops, you got to check it out. And I think those are probably right. among those. Yeah, The Watchmen was amazing. I'm like, I wish they would bring it back. Um, I was listening to a podcast where they were talking to the... Um, uh, I think it was the showrunner of the show, mm -hmm. and he was saying, you know, it, you don't, you never know. It could be a possibility that it could come back, but he was saying right now, you know, most likely not. Mm -hmm. And I was like, why? That it, I mean, it was so powerful. Like we need that back. <laughs> yeah. 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 So I'm, do you I'm have? Really, oh, go ahead. I'm really looking forward to just seeing after like the pipeline unclogs all these new uh, shows that are in development and mm -hmm. people have been really uh being super creative mm -hmm. uh, i think it's a uh, david makes man uh, mm -hmm. uh d harris lawrence is doing over there with that project is super cool so mm -hmm. a lot of stuff a lot of good stuff yeah so much to watch i have so much in my queue that i still have to get caught up with <laughs> yeah <laughs> so what would you say to aspiring writers mm -hmm. um I mean, there, there, there's never been a better time. Like, and, and, and I mean that like so sincerely, like I graduated college, YouTube became popping the next year. I wish I could have used YouTube, but like the, like I, I, I just the, the, the nature, like I, people, and you, you talked about earlier about, you know, favorite writers and peers and things like that. Like I, I respect and admire all my peers, but like, I'm really thinking about that that new age nine year old who has a cell phone and who yeah. who is pushing boundaries and every day and is like 
instead of just searching social media, they're pumping out and creating content and getting better and, and learning angles and having a respect for the history of cinema yeah. and combining and combining these the the, the abilities of, of the, the new age and that that individual is gonna be a bad person. Right? <laughs> girl girl or girl or guy, they're gonna be that one. Yeah. So um I I would say you have to. I think it's important to to never to not disrespect the 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 people who came up the more traditional way, and still have respect for the process and, and don't and, mm -hmm. and invest in your skills. You know, my, that's the biggest thing. It's like owning owning your skills because okay. uh, with the with the internet, people get like this immediate gratification. You come up with this really idea, really cool idea. You post it, and, and a million people like it. But you now are faced with the with the burden <laughs> to keep doing that, and and that's very challenging if you can't create like a actual singular piece of commercially viable product. Mm -hmm. you know, like so, uh, distinguishing those two things are kind of important to be mindful about. But if you're coming in the game right now, it's just it's right. <laughs> you know, like that's that's where it starts. Like you have to write every day on your skills. Um, I think, you know the downside of this time is that a lot of people uh, are ADD and, and it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a struggle, you know what I'm saying? Like, and, uh, but, but really developing that muscle and putting the time in that it takes to, to, to keep improving and, uh, and actually have the tools in your, in the tools in your toolbox craft wise to tell a story in any form. The, the notion of television, the notion of film, the notion of all this stuff is just, that's just form. Mm -hmm. It doesn't like comedy and drama, drama and tragedy, uh, tragedy and comedy. Like, th like these are just those are just polarities. But like, story is the one most consistent thing, and it, and it has a beginning and a middle and an end. Mm -hmm. And um, if you can tell a story in any form, then I think you're 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 in a sweet spot. Yeah, that's the key right there. <laughs> um, so, what is next for Fonz Williams? Uh, a, a few things. Uh, I am in the process of uh, producing a, an audible series about uh, Kwame Kilpatrick. Oh wow! Uh, so I'm looking forward to doing that. I just got the, got, we just got the, uh, the the trailer finalized today. I feel feel pretty good about it. So. Oh wow! See That's what happens exciting. when people hear this interview a year from now. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, then. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm still working with uh, with Steph on 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 our project. We're 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 on like the we're on third base right now, so we feel good about that. Okay. And then uh, uh, the the stuff that I'm doing with with Haha, mm -hmm. I, I'm super excited about. We uh, are developing his his uh, his own show, so a, a series called Carlos, okay. um, and there's there's interest and and i'm i'm excited about that so we're just i just want to make sure that this project is that is really that one for him because we want to make sure uh it makes a splash and culturally uh and connects culturally you know mm -hmm. okay can can you say what that's about or well carlos is really just uh loosely based on haha's -ha life uh mm -hmm. as someone as a young man who uh like a lot of young, like a lot of young people, 
did not have, didn't really necessarily know what they were going to do with their lives. You know, you, you, you graduate high school and if you don't go to college and if you look up and you're working jobs in a, in a manual arena or a manual industry mm-hmm. and, and trying to figure that out while the world is starting to shift and pass mm-hmm. you by and, and his struggle with uh, finding sort of meaning uh in a in a in a in a in a, in a ever evolving sort of uh world you know you just think about the notion of over 80 percent of jobs are supposedly um subject to being eliminated due to automation within the next four years wow i think a lot of you know young people who when you grew up in a industrial town like detroit or the midwest or these blue collar mm-hmm. cities where the there's coal miners or any of these jobs that require to just do your hands in a strong back that have been constantly shifting Mm -hmm. uh how do you find purpose when your purpose your your value was tied to a a a faded ideal (laughs) and uh and in that process of finding it luckily we live in a time where you know the internet does exist and you and you can go from a, a person making videos in your in your mom's basement mm-hmm. to to uh being on the old town road mm-hmm. video which is large which is the most watched video of all time mm-hmm. and, and and we will we'll sort of chart that process and sort of what he experiences with his friends in the city and uh being a guy who uh has two baby moms and and, and mm-hmm. that and that and that whole a uh, real slice of, of life that I think is reflective of what the, the young black male experience is in America right now. We use comedy and, and, and dramatic aspects to sort of tell that story. Yeah, that's pretty amazing. Yeah, it's going to be fun. Yeah. Where can people find you online? Uh, uh, just at Fanon Zell. That's P-H-O-N-O-N-Z-E-L-L. Oh, okay, on both, you said on uh, Twitter and Instagram? Instagram, yeah. Oh, okay, great. So you guys go out and follow him. <laughs> so you can get some interesting uh, posts on writing and whatever else. <laughs> yeah, looking forward to, you know, whenever we get uh, 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 Games People Play season two, I'm looking forward to um, the people out there getting a chance to check out this season. It's going to be a lot of, a lot of fun. Yeah, I think the next next season is going to be explosive. Yeah. <laughs> Lots of surprises, twists and turns. That is for sure. <laughs> so we'll let you guys know when that's coming out. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much for talking with me today and giving our my audience uh, all the deets on being a writer. I'm sure everybody will appreciate it. And I thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Have You're welcome. Life. Bye. <laughs> Thanks for taking the time to tune in to the Wordy Girl Entertainment Podcast. Don't forget to check out my blog at www.wordygirlent.com. That's W-O-R-D-Y-G-I-R-L-E-N-T.com. You can also find me on Instagram and Twitter at at WordyGirlENT and on Facebook at www.facebook.com forward slash wordy girl ent and always remember it all begins with a single word so what are you waiting for go write <laughs>